good night. Depending on the time you've tuned into my podcast, I am your host, Kyavar Williams, and this is Failing in Love, presented to you by Needed Relief Massage Studios. Needed relief for when you need relief. All right, everybody. Um, happy King Day still. You know, I'm doing a two for two for today. Uh, hope everybody is doing well and you don't just take this as a day off you actually reflect on uh, the greatness of Martin Luther King and I'm not talking about the early I have a dream Martin Luther King I'm talking about the Martin Luther King was like hey I'm tired of y'all sicking those fucking dogs on us (laughs) and uh, possibly the reason why he got assassinated he really got tired of that that passive we shall overcome shit like he was talking to Malcolm and then you know Malcolm got assassinated and then Martin was like man fuck this Malcolm might have been right and then he got killed in Memphis that's all I'm saying so anyway uh, not to digress too much uh, I guess I want to say you know today I'm failing in I don't know what I see this this is one of those throwback episodes it's not like a new one about like me dating some chick who got like a BBL this is like a story uh, of my past you know what I mean and because like in the last episode you know I was talking about Camille and her boyfriend and you know how I felt about that situation but then there was times where I was the guy in the young lady's life and the father felt a certain way about me and uh, that's what this story is about so I guess today I'm failing in sleep (laughs) alright so I don't want to say the year but it was a year where my penis was swinging as free as the cocaine in the 80s um I had an amazing job at this place called Brookline. And again, shout out to everybody who worked there. It is not an easy job. It is a job of love. If you're ever going to get into the social sciences, like social work, I recommend you work at a place like Brookline or Maryhurst or one of those places, uh, a youth facility for like a year to see if you can like really understand and gain some empathy, you know what I mean, for these children that are abused and neglected and uh, see how the system works so at any rate uh i was working at this facility and to this day and i'm quite sure this cat don't even listen to my podcast and normally i use fake names but i gotta give this brother his flowers alonzo calhoun is the best supervisor i've worked for hands down in my life this man works so hard he kept it together and like it's crazy because when I was working there I was like yeah, 23, 24 dude was like 29 on the verge of 30 and it was like he had such a tight ship in the unit that I worked in and his unit was so tight people loved working over there but we were so good at what we did we didn't have a lot of spots available so Alonzo Calhoun brother I want to salute you and give you your flowers for being the best supervisor that I've ever had. I've never seen a brother work as hard with the youth as you have, uh, you know, closely. There may be some other people who's in the in the conversation, but again, man, like, you made going to work a pleasure. You know what I mean? You made me feel like the job that I was doing was actually changing lives and making a difference. 
And I worked hard, but brother, you worked five times as hard. So with all that being said, uh, Zoe, thanks for the sweat. <laughs> this brother got me this uh, greenish brown sweater that you can only wear with like some corduroys or something. But again, man, that, that's just so, man, like a hood cat and who turned it around, but he, he was still hood. And uh, I remember he gave me a, a sweater for Christmas. And uh, I do the worst Zoe impersonations. He's like, hey, man, here's a sweater. I appreciate you, man, putting in all the hard work, man. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm fortunate that impersonation. But uh, he's just a cool cat, man. I, I want nothing but the best in the world for him. Uh, so at any rate, I'm working at Brookline. This is like the first real adult-type job I had. Because, you know, I was blessed with money, so I really didn't have to work too hard early on. And again, this job didn't feel like work. So I remember one week uh, I put in, what was it? And this was in a week, like, because we got paid bi-weekly. So better yet, my check was for like 136 hours. So it was like pretty much every day I worked a double except for maybe like one or two and it, it didn't feel like work and like the money like that I was saving up it was just I would spend it on like extra stuff because if your kids ever been in state care the state I don't know what they do with all that money but they damn sure ain't spending it on the kids so you know uh, I make like extra meals for the kids or whatever, extra snacks, little shit like that. You know what I mean? And a lot of the other staff members did too. I, they just weren't necessarily in the position that I was in to spend like a decent amount of my check. You know, I give the kids that were about to get released like a pair of shoes that I wore like one time and uh, give it to them. And you'll see the kids like just having something stylish before they get back into society. So I met a woman there we're gonna call her call her uh shoot man i'm running out of names uh she was a very attractive woman at the time let, let, let's just call her wow zoe like zoe saldana right so uh no nah, because that's too close to zoe's name you motherfuckers might think it's something weird uh who, who, who's that other chick that uh looks kind of good that's not Zoe Zaldano or oh shit that, that, you know it's sad there's not really a lot of good looking women in, in Hollywood black women in Hollywood nowadays so anyway let's just yeah, let's just call it Kim okay so Kim um so I met Kim and uh, she was working at a unit with some of the bigger children and uh, she was so small. You know, me not being the tallest guy, I've always been attracted to short women. So she was working at this unit, and uh, all the boys were bigger than her. They was like 14, 15, so they was kind of being disrespectful and all that stuff. But this is back when snap music was popular, and contrary to popular belief, Mr. Kyvar Williams could cut a rug back in the day, baby. So I seen that she was kind of losing control of the kids, you know, they were bigger than her and kind of intimidating for a woman because like a lot of times these kids would like try to fuck up staff, like really like try to fight these people because, you know, 
they have behavioral issues they're away from their, their family their friends uh sometimes like uh the court send them there so the kids aren't happy so i go over there and the kids know me you know like hey mr kai what's going on what's going on mr kai blah 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 I'm like, I know y'all not causing trouble up in this joint. Like, no, nah, we ain't doing none of that. We ain't doing none of that. I'm like, why the staff look so scared? And she come out, ain't nobody scared. Like, well, you look scared, Kim. You look really scared. You kind of small. So she started laughing. I was like, you know what, man? The reason why she's scared is because y'all don't know that Kim is actually a dancer. Somebody's like, woo. It's like, no, 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 no. Not that type of dancer. But she dances. But I bet y'all some snacks. I can all dance. And I was like, oh, no, you can't. No, you can't. So anyway, so we have like a dance off or whatever. I'm cutting the rug. And fellas, ladies love a man that can cut a rug. So I'm dancing, doing my thing and all that. And then it's time for the kids to go to transition. So pretty much like their shift is almost over. And she was like, hey, Kai, you know, thanks for saving me. You know what I mean? You had your little towel on your head because you were sweating and dancing, but you can move a little bit. I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm, I'm a bad man. You know, these hips are loose. They made some bad mofos, and she started laughing. So um, after the shift was over or whatever, there's like this board you look up for overtime, and I really didn't need it, but I wanted it because, like, this was pretty much my life. It kept me out of trouble. It kept me focused. It kept me in a position to provide for Camille at the time. Because uh, she was the only child that I had or the only child that I knew of that I had. So um, it was just like, all right, cool. Let me go ahead and, and get this money. But there were no shifts in the cottage I worked in. And uh, the only shifts were in her cottage with the little peewees. These little Chucky-sized Halians would bite you, they would scratch you, they would kick you, they would fling poo at you, they would do all these things. It's like, dang, like at least the older kids, you kind of reason with them. These these little monsters, nah, and I'm not calling them that as a disrespectful way, but nah, these little kids are scary. The smaller kids are scarier than the big kids. So uh, one way you'll protect yourself is like call severe crisis management. And what severe crisis management is, is like certain holds and techniques we were taught to therapeutically hold the children until they can kind of breathe and calm down and try to reassess the situation. Hold that thought. We have a word from our sponsor. Are you in need of an intuitive massage? Well, don't leave it to those social media experts who really claim to be massage therapists, but they're perverts. Go to the professional. Go to Julia Mims, licensed massage therapist with almost two decades of experience, located at 394 West Main Street, Unit B1 in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Not only is she a massage therapist, she's the owner. So book your appointment today at 615-479-9768 or go on her website at www.eatareliefmassagestudio.com today. Mention my name in this ad, Kyavon Williams with code 420, and she'll give you 10% off your massage today. And trust me, one day I was stretching. I heard something pop. I called Julia up. She said, Kai, come in here. She did boom, boom, bop. Next thing I know, I did a backflip. <laughs> so yeah. If you need some relief, get some needed relief from Julia Mims.
All right, and we're back. So they could kind of get their thoughts together. But with little bitty kids, they don't have rational thought, really. You know, they're very impulsive. So, you know, I seen her dealing with those kids and she was absolutely amazing. And we were talking and, you know, just getting to know each other better. And I had just broken up with Camille's mom for probably like the 14th or 15th time. And she was like, well, you want to go out? You want, you want a date? You, know, you want to go out? And I'm like, so you asking me if I want to go out? Like, it's kind of weird because, again, this is back. I'm from the era where the man asked the woman, right? She's like, yeah, let's go out. Let's have some fun. I'm like, shoot. All right. I could do that. So uh, we go out, have a great time. Uh, you know, we dance the night away at 4th Street Live and all that, this, that, and the third. Uh, we get back to the place, fell asleep. You know what I mean? Kind of like, uh, what is that movie? Waiting Exhale. Sometimes you want to sleep with somebody without sleeping with somebody. So, and this is like a, a fast sort of fling relationship. Neither one of us knew it at the time, but it's kind of like we both need it. And the one thing I want to tell people about is trauma bond. You know, like, when you've been through some shit that just kind of fucked you up, don't hop into the bed with the next person. Don't hop into a relationship with the next person. Get to know you. Evaluate yourself. Don't just focus on what that person did in the situation. Think about what you did and how you could have handled it differently or whatever. Or if there was nothing for you to do at all, get some therapy, get your mental health together, you know, get your physical health together or get it back together and go back out there. But give yourself at least eight months to a year after a breakup, especially after a traumatic breakup, to get out there. Learn yourself and love yourself again. So anyway, she was telling me the stuff that happened. So, if I wasn't at work, if I wasn't with Camille, I was with her. And this was like just my schedule. You know, Camille's over, I'm watching her, I'm at work, hanging out and with uh, Kim or whatever. So, it got to a point, and it's funny because as a father now, you know, you become a certain age and you look at your finances and you're like, well, what did I do with my life? Who am I? You know, where am I going? Retirement. Uh, college funds to it. You're thinking about all this stuff or whatever, right? So, her father was aware that she and I worked together. And the place that I worked at, uh, Brookline, for my age, like, it was good money, man, especially with the overtime. And uh, so it was time for me to meet the parents or whatever. And I'll never forget, uh, I had, because again, this year was 2008. Seven. So this is 2007, and I had a 2004 uh, Chevy Impala on 20-inch rims or whatever. That, that was the big thing back then, with a little bit of thump in the trunk. So they lived in this affluent neighborhood called, called Crestwood. Are you familiar with Louisville, Kentucky? It's pretty much Black Prospect, which all the rich people live or whatever. So, you know, I pull up, I pull in, and, you know, I'm exchanging pleasantries with the mom and the siblings and all this, that, and the third. And then her father comes in. He looks me up and down. I'm like, hello, sir. I'm Kyvon Williams, blah, blah, blah. He was like, oh, so you, the guy 
who got that dope dealer's car in my driveway. Do you deal dope, son? I was taken aback. I said, excuse me, sir? Do you deal dope to have a car that nice? I was like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I work a lot. You know, maybe that's what it is. He was like, okay, work a lot. All right, got you. So that was like the first exchange I had with him. It was weird. Uh, Kim cooked dinner for all of us. And I was having a headache from the conversation. And like how I told y'all, ever since I was a kid, strangers would come up to me and tell me like some of the most odd, weird shit. But I knew that it was coming from like an honest place. The conversation with her people, it felt so scripted. It felt so weird and not personable or whatever. So it gave me a headache. I was like, well, uh, I appreciate the meal, Kim. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Kim's people, for having me over here. I gotta go. I gotta go home. So, you know, Kim, she's concerned. She's like, are you okay? Is everything all right? Like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. So, any rate, I go home. Kim's calling me. She's like, you want me to come over? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry about my family. I'm like, nah, I just, I just want to be alone. I just want to chill. She's like, is there anybody else? Like, no, it, it's nobody else. It's, I just want to be by myself. I got a headache. And, like, she was really sad. So she called me two hours later. How's your head feel? Like, I'm fine. She was like, well, I'm coming over. I'm like, really? You don't have to. And then, like, she just was getting, like, really sad. I was like, all right, fucking come over. Again, that's another warning sign. But being young, I, I wasn't really looking at that codependency shit. So Kim came over. And she was telling me about her dad and, you know, how he felt about me, this, that, and the third. Me being a young cat, and I say all this because remember the last cast, I was giving O a hard time for being with my daughter. So she's like, well, to win my dad over, he has this event. And I, I wasn't really paying attention because I was tired. The day was almost over. I had like a 7 a.m. shift. So I wasn't really, it was either 6 or 7, I forget. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do it or whatever. So she was like, great. Like, dad's going to be so excited. Like, she was like, so eager to please her father. And I'm like, okay. So any rate, the time goes on. The, I, I remember working a double. And it was like one of the hardest doubles I had to work. Like, kids were acting up. They was doing stuff. Because normally on third shift, you're just making sure the kids are asleep. And making sure, and I'm not trying to be too graphic or anything, that there's no sexual assaults or no weird shit going on. And you just document it. You do the room checks, you know, make sure the kid's okay, make sure they're alive or whatever. And then after you do all that, you notate everything, you make breakfast for them. No, ma'am. No, sir. Not this night. It was like a fight uh, in my cottage or whatever. I was the only person there. And then, like, there was, like, another kid who tried to escape. It was just wild. It was like a rough night. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm about to go home. I'm about to sleep like a baby. And then Kim calls me. And she's like, hey, are you ready to go to the event with my dad? I'm like, what t what time does he want me to be there? And I'm stuttering because I'm so tired. I'm like, what time does he want me to be there? So he wants you to be there at 8 to help him set up. But the event's not until 10. I'm like, what? And what time is the event over? She was like, six o'clock. You, you, you bullshitting me, right? And I was like, look, 
I worked a double. It was horrible. I couldn't, I could barely keep my eyes open. So she was all sad and me trying to be Mr. Good Guy. I, I drunk a couple of Red Bulls. And here's the thing. When you're young, like you have so much energy. Like, so value that shit while you can. So I banged out a couple of Red Bulls. I'm helping out or whatever. And one attribute that I have, very charismatic. But I was so fucking tired. Like, it's, hey, at least I'm up. I'm moving. I'm helping. I'm asking questions and stuff like that. And Kim was with me. But Kim, she was kind of shy, kind of quiet or whatever. And um, he, his, her dad was a photographer on the side but he's one of those people who bought like a whole bunch of expensive ass equipment and really didn't know how to use the shit so and there were other photographers there and he's taking pictures and stuff so you know i'm asking people if they want to come over and i think sometimes when you're so affluent in life you don't realize the adversity some people have by the way that they look i at this place it was mostly caucasian wealthy well-to-do people and here I am, young black guy, tattoos, and I'm not the most street cat at all. But some of them was just looking at me like, whoa, what is he doing in here? Because mind you, I got off at like six or seven, went home, brushed my teeth, showered, threw on some clothes, something comfortable. Some probably wearing like, if memory serves me correctly, like a sweatsuit, like a jumpsuit. And, uh, I did all that to try to be the good guy. After, for one, he said he he needed help with this event. He was going to pay me. Dude gave me a Ruth Chris gift card for like $50. If you ever ate a Ruth Chris, $50 will probably get you a a Coke, a smile, and a side dish. And uh, he told Kim, he was like, yeah, he's handsome and all, but he's lazy as shit. He really ain't trying to put in no work for me. And I'm thinking inward. I just worked one of the worst doubles I've ever worked in my life. And I'm coming off of like two doubles prior to that. I didn't want to come, but I'm trying to be the good guy. Now I say all of that to say, Omarion, you're doing a great job. Keep taking care of my daughter, okay? And, uh, put God first okay a lot of people nowadays especially like a lot of young people they don't believe in the power of prayer they don't believe in God they just kind of do their thing and I was one of y'all you know what I mean I can't even trip I can't even act like I'm holier than thou but when you get older and you look back on your life and you reflect about like God's mercy and stuff like that man and like it really opens your eyes up to stuff cause a lot of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the mercy of the Lord so um, that's all I got. And, uh, you know, my tagline is always, if you put God first, you'll never be last. I really mean that. Like, I really do. Like, in the past three weeks, I've experienced so many things because I haven't been on social media for real. I haven't been out here, like, dating seriously. I haven't been doing things that were outside of me chasing my goals and I see things a lot clearer so sometimes when you turn off the distractions and you really listen you can hear better you can see better you can feel more so 
that's all I got. I'm not trying to preach it out or nothing like that, but just hear me when I say, if you put God first, you'll never be last. Peace, and thanks for listening to my podcast.